Uh, I'm up here not because I'm preaching, but just because I thought we'd get a little family picture. Uh, Rihanna, you've got a camera. Do we look good? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, why am I up here? I just wanted to have this one opportunity to introduce my parents because I've never gotten to do that before. And so uh, you I'm can scared. see this is Sir Darcy McAllister. He's my father, and this is Leanne, my mother. And we're so excited for them to wrap up this series on prayerfulness. It's been such an amazing series. Um, it's been so cool to grow and learn in that way. And so I'm excited for them to get going. I, I thought about saying an embarrassing story, but then I was like, then they're preaching for 30 minutes. That's not a good idea. So nothing but the best to say about them. Awesome. Have an awesome time, Mom and Dad. I will cut you off if you go long, though. So yeah. just be wary. So good. Thanks, Nick. So we're Nick's parents, and we're also two of your global workers. Mm -hmm. and, and tonight, I, I board a plane back to Asia. Leanne is staying here for a couple weeks longer to care for her mom. You do realize we haven't been apart for three years. I know. This is going to be really, really weird. <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Our, our primary missions call is to encourage and develop leaders globally, and we do that, uh, sharing our time between Canada and, and Asia. Mm -hmm. There are four th things that we do. We lead our mission in our Asian city, um, which there's schools, churches, and, a, and university ministry. Uh, we lead Zoe Network. Mm -hmm. Leanne leads that, my help, which is connecting women and men with God's mission. Uh, all across Canada and into parts of Africa and Latin America and Asia. We also work with marriages and do marriage ministry. Just we were in Montreal last week doing marriage ministry there and we coach, disciple and work with, with leaders. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we, we do. We could take longer but we won't. So our series on prayer began with Pastor Nick talking about prayerfulness. Prayerfulness is a way of living, it's founded in our relationship with God, and prayer permeates everything that we do, and it influences our actions. This brings transformation as we invite God to reign in every aspect of our lives. Prayerfulness embodies who we are called to be and how we are called to live. Jesus modeled a life of prayerfulness for us. Prayerfulness brings transformation in three ways. It brings awareness as we shift our attention away from ourselves, needed, uh, and focus instead on God's will. Prayerfulness restores and maintains healthy relationships with God and with each other. And prayerfulness leads to embodiment. It's a spiritual discipline that helps us to live how we are meant to live. Can you believe Nick said all those really wise things? Can you believe things? what my son did? Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Well, all of a sudden, he's your son. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Today he today, is. Today he is. Okay. <laughs> so last Sunday, we heard from Elmer and Sherry Coman, and they sh talked about persistent prayer. They shared stories with us about God has proven faithful and that prayer really works. Yes. Their encouragement is to always pray and to never give up. And whenever we hang out with Elmer and Sherry, we feel encouraged by their faith. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've modeled persistent prayer to us over the years, and I love hearing those stories of how God has been at work. So Leanne and I are honored to continue the conversation. Have you ever noticed 
how our culture, Canadian culture, going to get a stool. You're going to get a stool. Okay. Focuses on the individual. And perhaps it's because Leanne and I are away a lot from Canada that we notice a cultural emphasis on the individual here as compared to, say, cultures in Asia, Africa, Latin America. But here we live more as solitary individuals. We drive up to our garage or our condo garage, we put the car in and we go inside, generally not speaking to anyone. Uh, and then we turn on our TV and I would turn on mine and you would turn on yours and I would watch sports and you would watch Say Yes to the Dress. Wait, don't and, put me in a box. Don't put me in a box. And if we're learning something, we would sign up for an individualized learning plan and then we engage with others from the solitude of our, our phone. Yeah. Um, and these things are not bad per se, but they are solitary. Like there's an emphasis on the individual. And I think this has impacted our spiritual connections. Um, I don't think it's been on purpose, but we tend to do our spirituality alone too. We pray by ourselves and read God wor God's word by ourselves. And, and if we don't feel like going to church, we don't go and perhaps no one notices. And then maybe we watch church by ourselves rather than engaging with the community and it's and it's interesting like spirituality in other nations i remember the first time we were preaching in the philippines mm. and we we said okay we're going to pray before the the service and i opened my mouth to pray and i was drowned out by the congregation who were all praying along and i'm like that that took me by surprise. And we kind of wanted to like somehow package that and bring that back together. Yeah, that was, it, <laughs> that was, that was very special. Mm -hmm. In that alone spirituality, we can start to face our troubles and our anxieties alone. This approach to our spirituality can lead to tunnel vision with our problems, a lack of perspective, maybe disunity and because no one knows what you're praying about for the church. And it also can lead to a lack of collective faith. Sometimes when we do pray together, it's more of a routine than a real prayer. Right. Around the family table, it can be a race to say grace. And I'm not going to name any names this morning, but there were certain members of our family who, when it was time for their turn to say grace, would have it memorized and down. Like it was a speedy... Just, just get it done. Just get it done. So we can eat. Yeah, so we can eat. That, that, was, that was the goal. Um, does any of that sound familiar to you? And have you noticed a lack of shared prayerfulness in your life? So the Bible tells, uh, I, my throat is, I'm okay. okay. I'm not sick, but like I sound terrible. But um, the Bible tells us some things about a shared life of prayer. And we're reading from Acts 13 this morning, and it's just three short verses. But before we read it, we just want to set the scene a bit. The setting for this text is the city of Antioch, which was a Greek city, the capital of the entire province of Syria. And one commentator described Antioch as cultured, luxurious, and corrupt. It was the third most prominent city in the world at that time, only behind Rome and Alexandria. So a group is meeting together, which includes Barnabas and Saul. And they had just returned from Jerusalem where they were lending support to the believers there. 
Saul is not yet Paul. This is earlier in his ministry, and Barnabas and Saul were at a crossroads of sorts, waiting on God to discover what was next. So Darcy, why don't you read those verses? Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work I have for them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their, eyes, their hands on them and sent them on their way. So this is a simple prayer meeting that's recorded in Scripture, but with some pretty cool things that are embedded into the story. We see in verse 1 that the church had been blessed with many people from various backgrounds. And it actually reminds me of the church here that we are a part of. Um, we're not all the same. We all come from different cultures and life experiences. So Simeon quite possibly was from Northern Africa. Manan was likely a foster brother of King Herod. Saul had persecuted Christians in his spare time before joining the Christian faith. So you have this wonderful collection of diverse people crossing race, culture, social strata. And so Luke, the writer of Acts, specifically mentions that there were prophets and teachers among them. The Amplified Bible describes the prophets as inspired interpreters of the world, of the will and purposes of God. In short, these were men who knew how to hear from God. Now verse 2 describes the gathering, and again, it could almost be like this gathering here this morning. It says that they were worshiping the Lord and fasting together. It describes like a, a common worship and prayer time that had the atmosphere of expectation. And I don't think it's much of a stretch to think that they were pressing in. They were pressing in in prayer and intercession, waiting for God to guide them about the next step in spreading the gospel. Because right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples one job, and that was to spread this good news. And so we see in Acts 1.8, where he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so to this point, they had been faithful in preaching the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to a predominantly Jewish audience. But now the Spirit was calling them to go beyond those borders and begin reaching the Gentiles. It was time for that ends of the earth bit. It was a new era, a new frontier of the advance of the gospel. So it's into this expectant environment of worshiping and fasting that the Holy Spirit says, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work I have for them. So the message was simple and straightforward and clear. Now, how did they receive this message from God? It could have been a prophetic message through one person or a sense that the community came to together. You know, I think of our own faith journey. We moved to Asia in January 2020, three weeks before uh, COVID hit our city. And we've been thinking about Asia for a long time, and, and um, 
it had gotten to the point where I, I was starting to kind of bug you, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I really felt this. It's time, Darcy. It's, it's time. time. It's Come time. On. And, um, you know, we, we just wanted God to confirm it for us through others. And that was our prayer. And we'll never forget one night in the summer of 2018, God spoke to global workers Gary and Eva, who took us into their home, in which is now our city, served us dessert and said, you know what, we're retiring and we've been praying and feel like you're supposed to come and carry on this mission. And Darcy and I went, oh, thank you, Lord, for sharing that with us. And, and we talked to our leadership about this opportunity and they said, we've been praying for people like you. So the spirit was at work through groups of people, not just through our own lives. I think back uh, a few years ago now, um, I, we had Matt and Amber Price as our interns. So they had just finished Bible college, and I was looking for a picture of them to put on this slide and realized that the pictures I had were all from back then. Yeah. And now they've got a family and global workers, and global workers from, from here. So what part of the internship was I would try and teach them about hearing God's voice. And they were scared because I was saying, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to share what God has spoken to me. You're going to pray and you're going to share what God has spoken to you and he's going to show up. And they felt a great deal of, of pressure in that moment. And so I began and it was good. It was nice. And then it was their turn and it got very quiet in my office. But after a few minutes of silence with tears streaming down her face, Amber said, I feel like God is asking you to take a step. And what was wild was that we were in a moment of discernment about shifting from regional work to international work. And you're supposed to do more than just BC Yukon. Your call is international. I feel like you're supposed to make a change. And she blurted it all out and stopped. And I actually was, had my computer on the desk and I I turned it around, and on my screen was an email of invitation from our international office saying, would you join the team? And it was supernatural, Holy Spirit confirmation. Coming out of prayer. Coming out of right? prayer. So those are some of the ways the Spirit communicates with us. And we're not sure how it happened here in this prayer meeting in Acts 13. But the message was clear that Barnabas and Saul are to go out from the community on their next assignment. And then the group goes back to fasting and praying, which I found super interesting, because I feel like here, if we heard from God, we'd be like, awesome, and then we'd you know, head out. They didn't call it a day, but they continued to press in. Now, are they specifically praying for Barnabas and Saul at this point? I think probably they are. I think that they're praying that God would fill them with his spirit and equip them for what God had planned for them. They also laid hands on them. The laying of hands is symbolic of a solidarity that we are in this together and there was a commissioning. We are sending you out as you go and you are our representatives wherever you go. I mean, it was this amazing time of prayer together and finally they send them on their way. So three little verses. In some ways, there's not a lot in them, and yet they show us profound things about prayer, mission, and hearing God together in community. 
So we want to focus on four specific thoughts in this, this passage uh, that we think can be of help to you. The first thought is prayer first and then planning. Oh, say that again. Say that again. Prayer first and then planning. Because we usually want to jump to the planning yeah. instead of taking the needed time for prayer. Like, so in Acts 13, the group was praying and needing God to give guidance. Uh, they were at a crossroad of sorts, understanding that God was about to do that new thing uh, to the ends of the earth. And it's actually really notable what they didn't do. Like, we, we don't hear that they called an official meeting to strategize and figure out how they were going to reach the Gentiles. There were no whiteboards, no flannel graph, no latest church growth manual. Instead, they came together first to seek God and wait for his direction. Right. So the outflow of our church, everything that we do as a community to extend the work of the kingdom and encourage God's reign on, here on earth, whether it's supporting Matt and Amber in Thailand, our life groups, uh, Elmer and Sherry in the work, work in Burundi, our kids ministry down the hall, Shekinah Glory Ministries, uh, Phil and Judy in Guinea, our youth programs, our kids programs, our young adult programs, like whatever it is, grief share, the outflow of our church church needs to be grounded in the call of God, that prayer time, and not our own great ideas. That's huge, hey? And yeah, the, and the, I, I'm preaching to you right now. I know he's preaching to me. I'm like the planner, right? I'm, I've got the planning book. I've got all of the highlighters. I've got all the, you know, I've got all the colors. I, I like to know where I'm going. And that's my default. It's always my default. And um, th this is a, you know, this is such a, a, a point for me personally. And I know there's some of you that get this. Um, you know, it's almost like we, we're planning our lives. And it's good plans. I mean, we, we want to see God's kingdom move forward. But it's like we're planning our lives and asking God to bless it, you know. And that's backwards. Because this text teaches us that we hear from God first. And then we join him in what he is doing. So out of this period of, of worship, prayer, and fasting, or let's call it shared prayerfulness, this time of intimacy with God, their direction came. Mm -hmm. And somehow they also engaged in the second point, which is also um, a good one for me. <laughs> it's uh, listening with expectation. Mm. I think it can be something so obvious that we walk right past it. In our close relationships, we can never just have a one-way conversation. Or if you do, uh, <laughs> it won't be helpful to the relationship. Yeah. How's your marriage? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we do this with God all the time. We talk at him, mm -hmm. and then we get on with it. Shared prayerfulness means pausing to listen together and to listen with expectation that God is going to speak. He's going to nudge. He's going to highlight. He's going to give a, a, his sense of direction and action. He still speaks today. He desires to engage with us together. So this is a short point, but it's one that we, we can't miss. You know, I, I remember... Oh, sorry, you were just... Like well, I'm you. just wondering, how, how do you nurture that expectation? Because you can come to a church service and, you know, bless our hearts, we come in here. And sometimes it's out of habit, maybe it's duty, or um, sometimes we want to be here, but, but we, don't, we come with low expectations, right? So how do we actually um, 
nurture that that level of expectation? I think I think it it. It start of it part of it starts when we wake up in the morning and engaging with God and saying God would you would you do something as we gather together would you do something when we gather with our life group or youth group or church service would you when believers come together can you minister and I, I remember as a 13 year old going to the youth convention and I was excited to go to this youth convention and they had this thing they called it pre-service prayer. Yeah. And there were hundreds of, of students in the sanctuary of this church, and I remember walking in, and it was just thick with the presence of God, and there was such a sense of expectation that God was going to do something significant in the lives of, of teenagers that night. And guess what? He did, but there was a listening with expectation. And an engagement, like when you talk about that, it's an engagement. And one of the things, our, our niece is a young adult here, and um, talking about, I think that this is kind of what's happening with the young adults, is this expectation, this engagement, that you're going to be here, Lord. And so let us meet you in these moments. You know, this, this expectation, um, you know, Praying before planning, it takes discipline, right? But when we do this, the direction comes. You know, the third thought that we want to bring forward today is that they discerned together. Solitary prayer is so important. You know, nurturing that prayer life as described by Pastor Nick a couple weeks ago is foundational. What it does is it sets a stage for what can happen when we actually get together, right? See, when, when I'm with someone who, has, who is constantly nurturing their inner life with Jesus, it's contagious, it's, it's invigorating, it spurs me on. But, but here's the thing, God doesn't just deal with us as individuals, he engages groups of people and invites us together to participate in his mission. And the only way we can discover our together mission is through prayer. And I, I love the process of discernment, which is really what was happening in this text. Yep. To me, it feels like a treasure hunt. You know, God giving us clues, or I like to think of it as puzzle pieces. You know, you get the puzzle pieces on the, on the table, and then you start to bring them together, and suddenly you begin to see like a, a picture that begins to emerge. And discernment within community is powerful because there's more ears to hear. There's different perspectives. Different people are holding different puzzle pieces. And as they take the time to actually put it all on the table, themes will emerge and we'll begin to experience the miraculous where you kind of go, oh my word, that is God. And it's just an amazing thing. Our predecessors in Asia were Sadie McLeod and Blanche Pardo, and they were, they were actually missionaries, Bible teachers in mainland China in the 1940s. But due to the change in government there, they were suddenly forced to leave and relocate to Hong Kong where they either had to return to Canada and say, this is it, or they had to figure out what God was saying. And so in the middle of this discernment time, they were supposed to pick up some hand-painted dishes for a friend. The dish factory where they were going to go was in a refugee village called Shekipmei, which was made up of shacks, open sewers, no maps, 
And so on the morning of the dish pickup, Blanche was sick with a fever of 104, and so Sadie had to go alone. And she writes, There was nothing else for me to do but for me to go alone. I hadn't paid any attention on how to find the shop since I was more concerned about not falling into the open sewer. There were no numbers on the shacks and shops, so one had to rely on one's memory and sense of direction. On that day, as far as I was concerned, both were missing. And as I wandered around, hopelessly, helplessly lost, some children started following me, and I'm sure they knew I was lost, and they finally asked me if I was looking for the place where they made hand-painted dishes. When I replied yes, they eagerly offered to show me for a fee. <laughs> and on the way, the kids also showed me their one-room school and introduced me to the teacher. That one interaction with those children led to opportunities in this community where Sadie and Blanche could impact thousands of kids. But there was a caveat. They would only be allowed to start a Sunday school <coughs> if they would teach the English classes in the school. This was not their plan. In fact, Sadie said, I was not willing because I felt I had not come to teach English, only Bible. However, and this, this, was the, this just punched us. Uh, it's, she said, however, after we prayed, the Lord indicated it would be the means of reaching these many thousands of people. Hmm. I like, what does that mean? The Lord indicated. I, I would love to. I mean, they're both passed on, right? You know, but it would be amazing how they came to that conclusion. And out of that is like literally thousands of children heard the gospel, churches were started, colleges were started, like it, it was a thing. And it was that one, out of that one time of discernment prayer when it felt like the way was Yeah, shut. and it all broke open, right? And now here we are in 2023 carrying on what God started way back then. See, um, we need to pray together. Our, our corporate prayer life is growing at APA and it's so exciting. I, I was sitting looking at the pre-service um, slides and just saw all of the prayer opportunities. You know, there's pre-service prayer. There, there's prayer within our services. There are times you, you know, different time slots of this thing we're doing next weekend. You know, when we, when we leave our, the service, we see people praying for others. I tell you, I, I used to like say to people, oh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray about that. I don't do that anymore. I'm like, let's pray now. Because, I don't know, I'm probably going to forget by like 2 p.m., right? Um, you know, there's just so many opportunities. And our encouragement for you is to press in corporately in prayer. Because there's room for you. And there's room for your ears, you know. As we pray for our gatherings, you know, we, we pray for our missionaries. We, we pray for those who are far from God in community. We pray that God would reach through our stubborn hearts and, and align our hearts and our values with him, you know. And it's just such a powerful thing. Now, the other piece we see here, it's a little sub-point. Allow me to go down a bit of a rabbit trail. But the community in Acts 13 recognized and affirmed the gifts, strengths, and call on the lives of Barnabas and Saul. You know, we can also be solitary in our approach to hearing God's will for our own lives. 
But we need others to recognize and articulate and encourage us to move forward in God's plans for each of our lives. We are all created to kingdom work. Every single one of us. We all have gifts and abilities that are useful for his purposes. And as such, we have a responsibility to each other to be listening and watching and affirming and praying and prophesying and encouraging one another in what we see. It's time to take this to the next level. So don't discount yourself just looking at yourself and going, well, I'm just this, I'm just that, or I don't have that, or whatever. Oh, oh, it needs to be the pastors, you know, the really spiritual people who pray, who really get involved. You are a part of us, the people of God, leaning in to hear what the Spirit is saying to this body and to our part in His mission. Wow, I feel that today. Yes, you do. Did I sound angry? No, you okay. didn't sound angry. It's just, it's important because it's, it's important. It's, it's all of us. Yeah. The last uh, thing that we noticed is we pray, we listen, we discern, but then we, we must do what he says. Prayer moves us to action. Yeah. We need to, to receive that mission and step out. When we, when we looked at Barnabas and Saul, they were in that prayer meeting, and, and who knows what their gut response was. Like, as you look through Scripture, you see the reality of people, and yeah. they are struggling with anxiety and fear, and I'm not good enough, and they have all the same struggles that we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, so maybe they were thinking, oh, well, we're just not qualified to do this missions thing. How will I live? What will I say? I, what if I can't do it? I, I don't know exactly what they were thinking, but they went. Right. So as we pray and listen, there will need to be faith steps. After hearing from God, Sadie and Blanche had to build English curriculum. They had to find a place to meet with the students, which ended up being on, on the roof of a, of a building. They had to get accredited by the, the, the local government, which they did, and the school that they started still exists, and which we work with. Leanne and I had to reply to that email invitation back when we were praying with Matt and Amber, and we had to start work on a new team. Paul and Barnabas had to pack up their stuff and figure out their travel schedule, figure out when the next boat was going. Right. A life of shared prayerfulness requires action, and I would say a life of shared prayerfulness requires shared action. Sadie and Blanche worked with many young Hong Kong leaders and churches in Canada supported their work. Churches and individuals in Canada support Leanne and I and our part in God's mission and pray for us. This last fall, um, we, we, I was facing some pretty big uh, administrative, administrative and government bureaucracy stuff uh, as with, with our ministry and I was not seeing a way through in fact I couldn't sleep and so I'm tossing in, in bed in Asia and finally at, at 3 o'clock in the morning I get up out of bed and on my way to the couch I, I pick up my phone and on my phone is a Facebook message from a lady in Saskatchewan and she said this praying for you right now and she sent it actually at 3.01. And I, I'd gotten out of bed at 3. 
So in that one minute, it arrived. As I pray, my focus is on you, Darcy. I sense that you have a lot on your mind, things that bring you concern and some things that attempt to weigh you down. And as I continued to pray, this came to me. Son, I've got this. It's like the Father has his hand on your shoulder and the assurance is palpable. May you sense him right now and have a holy rest in your spirit. Okay. Put the phone down. Turned, back to bed. <laughs> turned around and went back to bed and, and fell asleep right away. And God has helped in that situation. She was praying with us and for us. And I'm so grateful that she not only prayed, she not only listened, she not only discerned, but she took the next step right. and sent the message. Right. So as APA prays together, and when we hear together, there will be shared actions to take together. And because, because we've heard from God together, we can together all play our parts in God's mission. So good. Last week, the uh, call from Elmer and Sherry was to always pray and never give up. And we're adding to this and encouraging you to together always pray and never give up. Where are you praying with others? Could you join the corporate prayer times here at APA? Would you sign up for the weekend um, as we have this prayer initiative coming together? Could you kind of up the prayer in your life groups, you know? When someone shares a need with you, could you stop immediately in that moment and pray? You know, we're a part of a prayer group in Asia <clears throat> that's on WhatsApp. Because our friends in Asia love WhatsApp. And we take it really seriously. Our city is highly transient, and our prayer group members all lived in the city at the same time at one point, but are scattered across the globe now. UK, Australia, Malaysia, Singapore, you get it. But we pray, we pray, we pray, and we do it together. Yeah, in fact, like they're, they're praying for us and you this, this morning. And one of the group actually keeps stats. And well over 90% of our prayer requests have been tangibly answered, which is just kind of wild. I don't know for statisticians in, in the room. <laughs> so just want to close with this question. What could happen if we continue to grow in shared prayerfulness. Wow. What could happen? Revival. Mm. Amen. Amen.